0: People who keep pursuing the issue can find an answer. 30 years ago, there was at the dermatology meetings, there one dermatologist who had a presentation that he gave called, hives seek at least two causes. So it's often not just one thing that's causing it. But, you know, there may be more than one stimulus for the hives. And from the standpoint of leaky gut and various kinds of allergens, once you have that, you get all kinds of things coming through. Welcome to The Healthy Skin Show with Jennifer Fugo, where we're flipping everything you've been told about your chronic skin issues upside down and connecting you with alternative solutions your dermatologist never told you about. Welcome
1: back to episode number 32 of The Healthy Skin Show. Today, we are going to talk all about that crazy itch that drives you nuts, not only all throughout the day, but also at night. First, I want to give a big thank you to our listeners because you guys are incredible. You inspire me to get up and do this kind of work every single day and keep this show running. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be able to do it if it weren't for you. And that's why I love when you guys are willing to share your love with other people and let them know how valuable this show really is. And that's why I want to give a shout out to Vanessa Ann, 16, over on iTunes, she shared that she loves this podcast and that I listen to this podcast religiously. I love all the information Jennifer presents and all the amazing guests she has on the show. Keep up the excellent work. If you're like Vanessa and you'd love to share what you found really helpful and valuable about the podcast, remember, head on over to iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform, rate And leave a review sharing what you think someone would want to know about why they should tune in. I really deeply appreciate it. And I, again, couldn't do this without you. And that's why I love taking listeners' questions. Because it's one of the goals of this show to make sure that you feel heard. It's so important to me because oftentimes when you go to the doctors, you do not feel like you are being listened to. Let alone that they really, really are with you on this journey. And the truth is that I have been on this journey myself. And the reason that I started the Healthy Skin Show is to be on this journey with you as your co-pilot, helping you to find creative, inventive, maybe off the beaten pathways that you can rebuild healthier skin because the straight up conventional way that you have been shown just isn't cutting it. And that's why I love answering listeners' questions. And we've got a great one today from Mary Ann.
0: I've suffered from psoriasis since the age of 23. I'm now 57. And I can honestly say that each day is a battle. I have to really focus on trying not to let it get me down because it does. It's very debilitating. I don't want to continue to use steroid treatments I eat very, very well. My nutrition is my focus, but it doesn't actually impact on the psoriasis. Nothing does.
1: Thank you so much for this question, Marianne. And the reason that I have specifically included it in today's episode is because I think that you're going to get a lot out of the conversation with my guest coming up. But first, I wanted to share a few points that came to my mind. Now, the one thing you mentioned that jumped out at me was that you seem to have itchiness that increases at night, or at least that's the way that you described it. And that's often a common experience. When I was struggling with my dyshidrotic eczema, not only would my hands get itchier at night, but I even found at times that I would wake up scratching myself or that I had been scratching while I was sleeping and it gashed open my hands unknowingly. Of course, that was not fun. As I was going through research, one really interesting thing that I discovered, and this sort of came up in the Eczema Psoriasis Awareness Week last year, was that there can be a link between an elevation in cortisol, which is your stress hormone, at night that coincides with the increase in itching. This is a big deal because Cortisol is a part of our circadian rhythm. It's part of what helps our body know whether it should be awake, like waking up in the morning, as opposed to being tired at night and being ready to fall asleep. So it's not just melatonin, for example, that plays a role in this cycle of resting or being wide awake. And cortisol, for example, is a part of our fight or flight mechanism in the body. So when we feel stimulated as if this imaginary tiger is chasing us down the street and we're literally running for our lives, we start to see an elevation in cortisol because cortisol is what tells us you need to run at night or in the middle of the night. That shouldn't happen. That is the worst time to see an elevation spike for cortisol. It's very disruptive to sleep and it's disruptive to other patterns in the body. And we see that as a result of a dysfunctional hormonal communication pattern that happens between the hypothalamus, the pituitary and the adrenal glands and other parts of the endocrine system that ultimately puts us into that fight or flight mechanism all too often. That becomes our daily pattern that slowly burns out essentially this whole communication cycle or these feedback loops within the body that are important to help us manage stresses. And stresses could be little things like, you know, you're just annoyed about the traffic headed to work. It could be the type of TV shows and news programs that you watch. It could be a really difficult relationship, financial stressors, your mother or a Parent or child is sick, any number of things that can go wrong can be considered stressors, no matter how big or small they are. And with time, this can be one unfortunate way that our body manifests this burden of stress, which is not fun. It's totally not fun. So, a couple of things that you could do that might be helpful is you could try, if this is more like a histamine issue, you could try taking some sort of quercetin and nettle supplement that may be beneficial in bringing some of the itchiness down, taking it sometime around dinner time or in the evening. That way it's available for your system should you start to feel that sense of itchiness. There are great products out there and I would recommend that if you are working with a doctor or a nutritionist or whomever just to consult with them first if that would be a good option for you. The next option is completely free. It just takes a little bit of time, and it can be a very effective tool in dealing with excessive stress and stress triggers. And that specific thing is breathing exercises. No matter what type of faith that you have, this isn't a faith-based practice. It doesn't have anything to do with yoga or anything like that. It's just about breathing. And one thing that I loved teaching my clients was that Breathing is a really interesting way to help reconnect the mind which is going nuts at night, right? Dealing with lots of crazy stress with the state of the body. And so the mind perpetuates this stressful state because right there's no tiger actually chasing you, so that's happening in your mind. And then you get the mind to essentially reboot or sit within the body and say, "Hey, brain, Number one, I need you to be quiet. (laughs) This is not helpful. And number two, I'm actually okay right now. I'm safe. There's no tiger chasing me. And the way that you can do that is through these breathing exercises. I actually have a really great series of videos that you can watch, and we'll put the link to those in the show notes of this episode. But there's a five-count breathing practice that you can try. There's also belly breathing, which you can easily do in bed. And there's a breath practice called the four, seven, eight breath, all of which are very effective in helping us calm down, reduce the amount of cortisol that's being pumped through our system. And because we slow our breath down, you are signaling to your brain that you are safe, that all is okay, that it does not have to react in this abnormal pattern that drives this dysfunctional behavior, which in this particular case is itching. If you're interested in doing breathing practices, but you're really bad at prioritizing them, the best thing I can tell you is to just set an alarm on your phone and make a point to do it every single night. I'd also invite you to do an inventory of what's going on at night Are you sitting and watching violent or very stressful, dramatic TV shows late into the evening before you go to bed? So it might be the opportunity there to revamp what you're doing at night before bedtime that could also be triggering some of this. And I know we say, oh, well, TV is a form of relaxation. It's my only time that I get to unplug. But what you watch, what you take in does affect you. And so if you're watching really stressful shows that can also cause an issue. You might not realize it because you're enjoying the storyline, but watching it at night might not be the best time for that particular show. And the breathing exercises can be done in two minutes or less. They're not long. They don't require any outside props or information. It just requires that you learn how to do very simple breathing techniques that you can insert any time in your day, even if you're driving in the car, laying in bed, not feeling well before a meeting starts, or you need to take a two-minute breather, walk into the bathroom at work, and calm yourself down because of whatever's going on. They're highly accessible, they're really easy to do, and they don't require any type of money, which is great. Plus, they're just good in general for your overall sense of well-being. So again, I'll put the link to every tutorial that I have done in the show notes. There's actually three of them. They're very short, to the point, and they walk you through exactly how to practice each one of these exercises. So with that said, we cannot deny the fact that there certainly can be biochemical reasons that can drive the itch, and that's what today's guest is going to talk to us about So I think now is a good time to jump into today's interview to look at the biochemical side of why we have all this itchiness and what you can do about it. Hi, everyone. I've got a fantastic guest with you today, someone that I am deeply honored to interview. And to be honest with you, as I was reading his bio, I was just like, man, this is Man has done a ton of stuff and it is really, it is just such an honor to have him here and to talk about the topic of hives today with me. His name is Dr. Alan Dattner and he's a board certified dermatologist practicing holistic and integrative dermatology for nearly 40 years, helping patients who have failed conventional care. He uses nutrition herbal medicine, supplements, functional medicine, applied kinesiology, psychosomatics, and more to heal the underlying causes of skin disorders. Now, this is the cool part about him. He has a background in immunology, having worked in six different immunology laboratories with renowned scientists culminating in studies of cross-reactive immune recognition as a visiting scientist at the National Institutes for Health. The research led him to understand the scientific validity of digestive issues as a cause of inflammation in the skin. Dr. Datner, thank you so much for joining us.
0: You're very welcome. Good. Wow. You're
1: here. Yeah. Let's do a little bit of like a once over on what exactly hives are for people that aren't exactly sure. I think most people who have them know, but there are people who aren't sure what hives are and what causes them.
0: Well, hives uh, appear as red blotches on the body that are slightly raised. They're not scaly and they tend to itch or occasionally burn and they tend to move around so that if you were to draw a circle, draw around the periphery of a lesion that came up and then look an hour or two later, it would have moved somewhere else Mm. as opposed to other kinds of skin reactions that come up and stay in the same place. And they're caused by um, release of various kinds of uh, molecules that open up the vessels and let the fluid go out into the skin, causing edema. We think of them as being caused by histamine. That's the most common cause of hives. But there are all kinds of other vasoactive peptides that can cause them as well. So it's more complicated than just a histamine release.
1: Interesting. So, could you just share a little bit about what other things could cause hives?
0: Oh, we're going to, that's a big topic. <laughs> okay, a big topic. So, some hives are caused by an allergic reaction and one that the allergists will claim as a true allergic reaction involving IgE, immunoglobulin E, the antibody that the allergists test for to look for uh, reactions to pollen and dust and, and that sort of thing and some are caused by various kinds of molecules that set off a series of reactions that are not necessarily allergic they may be something that trips off histamine release or something that trips off release of other vasoactive peptides so there's a whole literature a lot of it coming from germany on pseudoallergens causing hives so pseudoallergens uh, yeah pseudoallergens because they're not they're not getting IgE responses. So they call them pseudo allergens. And it's a very confusing literature because if you look at it really carefully, you can understand that there could be other things going on besides pseudo allergy. Now, dr- certain drugs can cause hives. And that's certainly one of the questions you ask somebody who, who has hives. Various kinds of infections and parasites. Can set off hives, and there's some specific ones related to perhaps the kind of exposures a given individual has. For instance, there's a kind of parasite in fish in the Mediterranean that's known to cause hives. So, you know, you might ask somebody if they've been if they've been traveling in the Mediterranean and eating fish. Wow, (laughs) you know, and then mycoplasma pneumonia can cause it, so you might want to check somebody for that. There's also in the pseudoallergen category are a lot of food additives, food dyes. Things like smoked meats, alcohol, these are things that are probably not actually allergic, but setting off a set of reactions. And there are people who have pseudo allergen-free diets that you can look at. But when I look at some of the pseudo-allergen-free diets, I realize some of those still could be allergies. The true allergists really think that the IgE is the main cause of allergy. So the immune system is much more complicated than that. My studies have been in lymphocytes, the white cells that cause delayed hypersensitivity reactions and kind of direct the immune system to do other things. But there are also immune complexes. There's IgG, there's IgA uh, that protects the barriers of the mucous membranes. So any one of these can be involved. So the problem is that if you only look in one place, you know, you only see what the police are doing, you don't necessarily know what the Coast Guard and the Army and the Air Force are doing. That's a
1: good uh, point.
0: So that's something that people forget about when they're doing tests to study what kind of reaction they have. So what I found is it's best if you can do the test that really looks at something that's related pathologically to what what the pathological process is in your body.
1: It does. So Most people will go to the allergist, and if the allergist is willing, (laughs) it's amazing how many times the allergists are not sometimes willing to actually look any deeper. Like, just take some Benadryl, you'll be fine. You know, maybe they'll do like a scratch test, and sometimes they might run an IgE panel on their blood. I assume that those are just looking at, as you were saying, like the police force, so to speak, and not looking at other things. So what do you recommend if someone presents to you with a pretty decent history of hives, they can't figure out what it is, they've taken out strawberries and all these other foods, they've tried to manipulate their diet and they're not getting anywhere. What would you recommend for their first few steps is where to look and any type of lab testing that might be appropriate?
0: So you mentioned the magic word there and that was history. And one of the most valuable things that I have working with people, and I hope that, this, that, that medicine gets to be able to shift again to get back to that, mm-hmm. is that the history is the most important thing. So what I'm vitally interested in is what happened before in the, in the hours, days, or weeks preceding the outbreak, preceding an aggravation, preceding an improvement, Looking at that very carefully and going over and over again is what brings me the information that I need most before I do any testing.
1: Wow. So what listeners could take from this is they need to do some detective work at home and really think about what happened before and then what's going on around the reactions during after.
0: Exactly. And presenting that information to a willing physician will then allow that willing physician to ask questions to go deeper and deeper. Because usually, even my first questionnaire doesn't bring the answer. It's, it's beginning to get hunches and suspicions and ask further questions to find out what it was. For instance, I had somebody yesterday on, on the phone who had some issues that I suspected had an allergic basis. And it was only a half an hour into the conversation before I found out that it all started... Right after they'd put a new wing on their house. Why was I interested? Because I suspected a formaldehyde sensitivity, and a new wing would have plywood and press board that would be degassing formaldehyde. Wow. So that's what I mean about persisting. I appreciate it now when my patients bring me a history. Not that that gives me all the answers. But it gives me more of a basis to go deeper and deeper to find out what's going on. Because once I have one suspicion, then I can ask more relevant questions. It's impossible for you to go to a physician and tell him everything that happened in the past year would take a year.
1: (laughs) That is true. That is true. I mean, even my intake is like an hour. Then it's a 90-minute call. And it's long. It's a long process to really understand a patient's or a client's history for sure. And one thing that's interesting, I wanted to point out to everyone, you mentioned about that this patient of yours had this recent home renovation project. So what I'm taking from this, that somebody who maybe has only seen a very conventional doctor, is that you really shouldn't leave anything out. Like you shouldn't self-edit anything like maybe getting new carpeting, repainting your house, anything that's a real shift in your environment or your history could be a clue.
0: I like that terminology that you used a shift in your environment. Yes, that's very important. I mean, you can't say everything, everything that happened, but, but sure. you can build a structure. And I think we're gonna learn how to do that better. We're gonna get better software tools to build a structure. Mm. So, just like when you read something and there's a little blue word and you can press on it and find out more about it, I think we're gonna, gonna eventually be building our histories that way so that. So that we can give further detail when somebody needs to look into it, we've gotten medicine to the point where the drugs get paid for. There's some nice drugs that help with the IgE response. I think they discount them down from thirty-seven to thirty-one thousand a year.
1: My goodness!
0: Yeah, so so there is some kindness there in the industry, but these could be replaced in large part by allowing a knowledgeable physician to spend the time with a patient who takes the time to prepare their information. Mm. It's not like you, you come in and you say, oh, you know, I, I don't remember that. The per, An individual has to sit down with a calendar and, and, and they just think about when this started. Gee, it started, you know, it started over after, right after the holidays. Oh, yes. And then you begin to say, you know, I, well, we, had a few extra drinks. We, we went out. I don't normally eat walnut pie, but I had walnut pie.
1: Even like maybe there was a traumatic incident, like your father-in-law suddenly died and it was very upsetting.
0: All this kind of stuff. Miserable. Or you lost
1: your job. You were in a car accident. Exactly. Any number of things.
0: Stress is a known and listed cause of hives. And of course, there are also physical kinds of hives, from pressure, from cold. Those are all causes of hives. Sometimes with cold, there may be certain kinds of, of cryoglobulins in the in the blood. So one brings all that information together. Uh, a person with cold urticaria can be in serious trouble if they jump into cold water.
1: Here's my question to you. I think it would be great since we have a few minutes left in our conversation to just talk about some natural anti-inflammatory antihistamine type herbs and supplements that might be able to help somebody like you know right now they're in the midst of it they don't know what to do but they want some relief and maybe they're just getting fed up using Benadryl and some of these other drugs that are mm-hmm. over the counter on the market do you have any suggestions of what someone could consider shifting to well, that perfect. might not be so to- not toxic but you know, a lot of people get uncomfortable with using medications long-term when they're not, they don't know what to do. They're just uncomfortable, but...
0: I will give you some, but with a caveat. Mm. Remember that, that, and this is, because I don't want to tell somebody that this is going to be the answer and then have them go into anaphylactic shock and die. Good point. You know, Possibility, Because, you know, a lot of the things that we use that are natural substances are herbs and herbs are weeds and weeds can be allergic and depends upon the family. I think that somebody who is going to use these things needs to go over it with their practitioner beforehand and make sure the thing that they're taking is not related to something that's going to put them in even worse trouble.
1: True. That is an excellent point. I appreciate you for saying that.
0: So uh, with that caveat, these are are things that I'm recommending somebody talks to their natural practitioner or their physician about. Mm Or they use them because the last thing I want to know is that is that I saved a hundred people from hives and one person went into anaphylactic shock and died, and I don't want that to be out there. That would be terrible. I feel exactly,
1: horrible. exactly.
0: So, so these are things that one should consider discussing. So, one of them is stinging nettles. Nettles. Now, interesting, nettle leaf. If you touch it, it causes histamine release and it gives you. It will give you hives. But if you If you boil the nettles or you treat them in different ways, they have an antihistamine effect. Sometimes combined with an enzyme called DAO, they can be very effective because you're blocking two different pathways of histamine release. Again, DAO often comes from animal sources. You've got to make sure that you don't have a problem with those sources, and you need to be sure that the urtica doesn't further aggravate you. If you were to use the fresh leaf, you would get a lot worse. Uh, quercetin can be very helpful it's part of the program that i use and i think those are some of the biggest ones that i like it depends upon the reaction you know there are people who get food reactions who do well with a bicarbonate but that's not necessarily for hives
1: yeah i've had i've had some really good luck with stinging nettles and quercetin but obviously it has to be appropriate for that client and obviously, digging deeper is a big piece to this. You can't just, because it's not just about stopping them or managing the reaction.
0: There are certainly other things uh, that are listed. Uh, licorice helps you enhance your, your cortisone levels, and that can be helpful. Uh, ginger can be helpful. Curcumin can be helpful. Enzymes like bromelain may be helpful. Mm-hmm. But these are all symptomatic mm-hmm. natural treatments. For me, Again, going back to the cause is really crucial, and getting worked up. Is this an infection? For me, also, I think that that uh, leaky gut allows allergens to get through that shouldn't, and fixing leaky gut, enhancing digestion. That's uh, something that I've used to fix somebody who was on two antihistamines and still breaking out with hives.
1: Oh my and, gosh!
0: And, and, yeah, and you know, going in and fixing the leaky gut and the organisms and the and the gut that were leading to that, helping the digestion in the liver. That all made a big difference for somebody. So so you see, the the use of the natural antihistamines is just a part of doing a proper natural workout.
1: So anybody listening to this, would you say that there is hope that this doesn't necessarily have to be a forever situation? But by figuring out what those root cause triggers are, you have a much better chance of getting your body back to a a more balanced homeostasis.
0: Oh, exactly. But of course, you know, if you're living in a house that's uh, degassing all kinds of things Mm -hmm. that you're toxic to, it becomes a bigger prescription. If you're eating a diet that's challenging, if you're drinking alcohol and that's one of the stimuli and that's what you need to do to have a a business lunch, to stay and work, that's a big challenge. You know, so for some people... It's not just an addiction, it's a work and lifestyle Mm -hmm. issue that has to be addressed. These are some of the bigger questions. People who keep pursuing the issue can find an answer. 30 years ago, there was at the dermatology meetings, there's one dermatologist who had a presentation that he gave called, Hives Seek at Least Two Causes. So it's often not just one thing that's causing it that you know there may be more than one stimulus for the hives and from the standpoint of leaky gut and various kinds of allergens once you have that you get all kinds of things coming through mm. yeah you, you know and you've got to work your way back along the causal chain if stress is a big part of it you need to develop some techniques for calming yourself down that's crucial uh, whether it be deep breathing or yoga or exercise Those are all pieces to getting well. So if you're willing to follow a path and keep peeling off the layers of the onion that are leading to the problem that you're having, you're going to get improvement.
1: Yeah. And I also wanted to kind of end on a positive note that you also have a really fantastic book that readers could check out called Radiant Skin from the Inside Out the Holistic Dermatologist Guide to Healing Your Skin Naturally which is available on Amazon and I'll put that link in the show notes so it's really easy for everyone listening to get access to that and you also have a fantastic website over at holisticdermatology.com you've got a great free ebook anybody that's dealing with acne 10 steps to clear acne naturally So they should definitely get in touch and check out what you're doing because you've got a wealth of information. For those of you watching this video, you can even see Dr. Datner is in the midst of all the research, which is what I love about him. He's really in it. That's just such an amazing thing and I feel so honored to have you with us.
0: Thank you very much. It's been an honor for me to be on the show and I hope that the information that I have out will help people understand more from a more scientific solid standpoint before they go off on all the blogs, because the more you understand the actual causes, the actual things that are going on, the better you're gonna be able to make choices when something is suggested to you to do to help fix your problem.
1: Absolutely. I hope that today's conversation was not just enlightening, but it offered a different perspective on histamines and what that can mean as far as itchy skin is concerned. It's also a reminder that what happens inside of our body can manifest on the surface. And while it might make sense to you to address what's happening on the skin, it really underscores the importance of looking deeper and saying what could be going on inside or underneath the surface that is driving this type of reaction. As always, I will leave all of the links for today's podcast in the show notes. And I deeply appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember, if you haven't done so yet, go subscribe to the Healthy Skin Show and share it with a friend or two. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.